Okay. We're good. Hey, I want to remind people, um, this morning, I know uh, councilors had a break from morning chapel, but uh, just so you know, uh, we did uh, do the prayer of salvation this morning, and there were a couple of hands, so I encourage the young people that maybe raised your hands that prayed that prayer, let your counselor know about that, and uh, they'd probably like to follow that up and talk to you a little bit, uh, but you can catch them anytime that they have a free minute. Last night we were here, boy, it seems like only 24 hours ago, doesn't it? That, uh, uh, we're talking about how God's grace will help you run your race. Now some of you don't even know what your race is yet. But you're going to be figuring that out maybe this week, maybe over the next couple of years you'll figure out what it is God wants you to do with your life. That's your race. Last night we looked at the race of the Israelites as they crossed the Red Sea. God brought them to a point where they couldn't go back, they couldn't go forward, but His grace came right on time. So God's grace will be there when it comes to the point in your life when you have to make those critical decisions about your life. God's grace will be there for you. His favor, His goodness, help you make those calls. This morning, who remembers who we talked about this morning? Barak, right. And uh, who was the woman judge? Deborah. No, no. Megan, yeah. It was Megan. Don't you people remember anything? With Barak, what we realized, uh, what did we learn? He was uh, tentative. He was afraid to do what God called him to do, what God wanted him to do. What did God's grace do for him? It was all he needed. God reminded him, if I'm with you, I'll go before you. Nothing else matters you'll be able to accomplish it. I want you all to know that God's grace is what you need. If He calls you to do something scary, He may call you to go to be a missionary. He may call you to talk to your unsaved friend at school that you don't even like. That can be scary. He may, uh, some of you may have parents that aren't Christians. Uh, when I was growing up, my dad was not a Christian. My mom was, so it caused a lot of friction in the house sometimes. God may call you and say, I want you to talk to your parents about your faith. That can be scary. What I want you to know is however God takes you in life, whatever he moves you, whatever he lays on your heart that you should do, I want you to understand that he says, my grace is all you need. That when the time comes, I will give you my favor, even though you may not deserve it. I will give all this good stuff to you. So what we're trying to see here is all the different ways that God's grace works for us and helps us to accomplish what he calls us to do. Turn, if you would, to Hebrews 11. We read this uh, verse this morning. We're going to read it again tonight. Some of these people weren't here. For those who were... I'm not going to read them all, but just verse 32. The writer of Hebrews says, And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets, 
This morning, we found out who does have time to tell you. And who's that? Me. Thank you. I have time to tell you. But the guy I'm going to tell you about today is one of those guys mentioned right there. And you're probably more familiar with him than any of the other guys mentioned there. And it's my namesake. It is the man whose name means beloved. It is David. It's one of the, my favorite stories in the Bible, the story of David. And uh, we have a little time to talk about it today. Um, what we're going to see is that God's grace will give you the strength you need to do the job that God has called you to do. He'll make you strong. Even if your race gets progressively harder in life. I don't know if you've ever had things where it seems like they keep getting worse. Has that ever happened to anybody or just me maybe? That you know, things go wrong and just when you think you're through that, something actually goes worse wrong. And it keeps getting worse and you think, oh my goodness, what's going on here? God's grace can take those situations and actually build your strength. That's where we're going with it tonight, and I hope that uh, hope you can get something out of it. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we ask now that uh, as we look at your word, we realize that this is you revealed to us. This is the most important thing we'll do while we're here at camp, because you have revealed yourself in your word. Help us to see you there and to see what you want to do with us. For we ask in Jesus' name, amen. If you're a football fan, the name Mike Colon might ring a bell, but I doubt it. didn't ring a bell for me, and I like football. He played for the Miami Dolphins. And when he retired from professional football, he wanted to be a football scout, you know, where they're going out trying to recruit high school players or college players. And so he got a job and uh, working for his old coach, and uh, he says, Coach, what kind of player are we looking for? So I know where to, where to look, what, what to look for. And the coach says to him, well, Mike, you know that fellow when you knock him down, he just stays down? Well, Mike says, yeah, we don't want him, do we, coach? The coach says, no, we don't want him. Mike says, uh, uh, the coach says to Mike, he goes, you know that fellow when you knock him down, he gets back up and you knock him down again, he just stays down that time? Mike says, we don't want him, do we, coach? coach says, no, we don't want him. Coach says, uh, you know the guy when you knock him down, he gets back up, but you knock him down, he gets back up, and you knock him down, and he gets back up, and you knock him down, and he gets back up. And Mike says, that's the guy we want, isn't it, Coach? That's the guy we want. Coach says, no, that's not the guy we want. So the guy we want is the guy that's knocking everybody down. <laughs> that's who we want. What we want in our Christian lives is to be strong. Not to be the one that's getting knocked down all the time, but to be the one that's pushing the battle, that's doing what God wants you to do, not being chicken heads like we talked this morning, but to do what God wants you to do. We're going to talk about how God's power helped David. I'm sure most of you are very familiar with the story. I want to talk again about David's race, his life, and then how God's grace helped him be victorious in his life. David's race was a simple race to begin with. I can remember when I was in high school back in 1970, and we... See? You can laugh. See? Simple races. And 50-yard dash. I don't even know if they do the 50-yard dash anymore, but when I was in school, that was what it was. 
a simple race, you know, and you, you run, you start here, you end there, you know when it's done. That, to me, is a simple race. Sometimes life, not quite so simple. David's life, though, think about it. Here's a kid, he's got like eight brothers or, so, or, or seven brothers. He's the, the youngest of all the brothers. Um, where's Robert? Robert can relate to this. I don't know how many brothers you have. But he's the second oldest of ten. And I hope you don't mind me saying that. I just find that amazing. That, that's probably the biggest family that I've ever met here lately. David comes from a similar family. He's the, the youngest here. He's a young kid following in the family business. Dad's a shepherd. David, uh, he becomes a shepherd, watches the sheep. Uh, he's, he's musical. He can play the harp. My guess is the harp, a stringed instrument. Uh, I'm sure David, if he were here, he could pick up a guitar and play it a few times. You know, harps have a lot more strings than guitars, and he could figure that out. My guess is that David would be jamming on there. It would not too long. By the way, I want to get a picture with me behind the drums here tomorrow morning. Somebody remind me of that. I'm going to show that to my church. Uh, <laughs> David wrote poetry in his spare time. You know, the biggest book of the Bible is a lot of it, a compilation of David's poetry. He was a very creative kid. And, and keep in mind, he's out there, he's watching the sheep, and he's got his harp there, and he's picking out some tunes, and he's writing the poetry for it. And uh, This is the kind of kid he was. Very simple life. He had a good heart. He loved God. He's one of the few people in the Bible that the Bible says he was actually after the heart of God. He wanted to know the heart of God. And that's what David was. Now, his race is simple to begin with. His race becomes a little more complicated when he meets a guy called Samuel. Samuel was God's prophet. He was like this wizened old man of Israel very wise God spoke through him kind of like Uncle Paul you know not that he's an old man but you want to know something about Camp Tapawingo you go talk to Paul what do you think about this Paul when Paul speaks buddy things happen don't they counselors hop to it things get done well when Samuel comes to town even in Israel because he was God's man he was in charge of the whole place he was the highest authority at that time in Israel because they still had no king. He was kind of the last of the judges. Samuel, God speaks to him one day, and, uh, no, let's, let's go back here. Saul is king at this time. King Saul. And uh, Samuel gets the word from God, and God says, Samuel, we're going to pick a new king. Getting tired of Saul. Not doing such a great job. Started out good, but... Not doing so good now. I want you to go to the house of Jesse. He's got some sons there. I want you to check them out. One of them is going to be the next king. So Samuel comes to town, goes to Jesse's house. Now, everyone knows it's Samuel. Big news. He's in town. And he tells Jesse, show me your sons. And so one at a time, he brings his sons by Samuel. Samuel's waiting to, to get a word from the Lord. And I guess he brings the older kids in. No, God didn't say nothing there. And seven of these kids go by. God doesn't say anything to Samuel. Samuel, a bit confused now, 
And he tells Jesse, are you sure this is, this is everybody? His dad says, well, kind of, yeah. I mean, we got David, but he's out watching the sheep. He's playing his harp. You know, and I don't know what his dad thought of him. He had a tender spirit like David. That's the way I am. You know, I like poetry. I don't play the harp, but um, I'm soft-hearted. You don't want to see David. Samuel says, bring him in. This kid's probably 14 years old. David comes in, and as soon as Samuel sees him, God tells Samuel, that's the one. That kid with the harp and the notebook with all the poems in it is going to be the next king of Israel. And that very day, Samuel probably carried a, a little thing of uh, oil that he used to anoint things, and uh, as often they did, and, and some still do today. And he takes that oil and he puts it on David's head. And he declares publicly that David will be the next king. The only problem is Saul is still the king. But it's interesting here. If, imagine if this were you. Okay, you're 14, 15 years old. Da, 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 la, la, la. You're in your own little world like kids are, teenagers. Somebody comes by your house and they tell you you're going to be the next president of the United States. Yeah. How would that change your life? First thing you'd want to know is, who said so? <laughs> who, said, who said you? And God said so. And how hard it must have been, even for this to sink in, that David was going to be the king. So his race becomes a little more complicated just by meeting Samuel. Now this story is in First Samuel. I'm going to in your Old Testament, if you want to look there, I might read a couple of verses. So, First Samuel, chapter sixteen. Uh, in case I reference something there, we'll all be there together. David eventually goes and does some work for Saul. He becomes an armor bearer, plays the harp. Uh, turns out Saul kind of liked that soft music. Kind of soothed his soul when he was. All, under all those pressures of making all the decisions a king has to make, and he got stressed out, he called David and said, play that, play that harp for me. And David would just strum the harp, and Saul, he would just relax. And so he worked for Saul, so Saul knew the kid. One day, though, Israel goes to war. David's race leads him to a very big obstacle. What is that very big obstacle? Goliath. Goliath was the champion fighter of the Philistines. He was the biggest. You guys, I'm sure, watch The Princess Bride, don't you? Is that still a cult thing? Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite movies, Andre the Giant. I can't help it if I'm the biggest and the strongest. I don't even exercise. I got to tell you, that's how I picture Goliath. You know, nine and a half feet tall. He's got to be uh, uh, near the ceiling height. If you can imagine a man that his head goes that high, he must have been massive. And he was the champion. He uh, had all kinds of armor. He had a spear. 
And it says this, the, just the head of the spear weighed 15 pounds. Can you imagine throwing a 15-pound spear like a softball? Goliath was tough. Nobody wanted to face Goliath. He was the champion. Now, they're at odds here. Israel's on one hill. The Philistine army on another hill. It says there's a little valley in between. For 40 days, Goliath's been coming down the valley, shouting up at the, the uh, Israelites, Hey! You bunch of chicken heads! Come on down and fight! Well, the chicken head, the Israelites, they are over there. They're looking out with their binoculars and say, There he is again! What are we going to do? He's big. Nobody wants to go out. The Bible says King Saul was the biggest person in Israel. He was head and shoulders taller than anyone else in Israel. So he may have been 6'9 or 7 feet tall. I don't know, but... He was a big man. Did he want to go out there? Oh, no. So imagine Kareem Abdul-Jabbar or some of these, you know, Shaq, seven foot. Shaq would look small compared to Goliath. Nobody wanted to go out there. One day, David was bringing lunch to his brothers who were in the service of the army. And David says, hey, man, what's going on? Who's that guy down there? Well, that's the Philistines. You know, we're at war with them, and we've been 40 days. It's a big standoff. You're too young to understand all this. You know, and Goliath started dissing God. And David says, "What are you letting them do that for?" Well, look at him. He's huge. Now, David's race here, kind of interesting to me. Saul doesn't want to face him. David goes to Saul and actually begs Saul. Oh, let me at him. Oh, let me at him. And Saul, being a big man, looking at David, he goes, what are you talking about? Now, one thing I want you to notice here, David is anointed king. He's going to be the next king. Saul knows that. Samuel made that public. Everybody knows. They might not understand what Samuel was thinking here, but everyone knows that. Saul says, you know, I, I don't know about this, David. You, you, you're pretty small. That guy's big. What does David tell him? Does anybody remember the story? How it goes? How David convinced Saul? He said, I was watching my sheep one day, and a lion came down and attacked the sheep. He says, I killed that thing with my bare hands. Then he says, another time, a bear came out of the woods. I killed it. I took it. He said, I can do the same thing to this giant. I can kill him dead. I kill him good. Good and dead. <laughs> David, unbelievable as it may seem, convinces Saul. And the deal that they strike, they're sending to each sending down their champion. Whoever loses, their country becomes slaves of the other guys. There's a lot on the line here. And so... They convince him. We know the story that uh, David goes down, says the power of God is with him. He's going to do it. He's going to take him. And the uh, Bible says David went down to the little stream, and I, I guess in the valley there was a stream, and he had a sling. He was, a, a, I think, of uh, his tribe. Uh, a lot of them at the uh, in the Bible there from David's tribe were left handed is what history says and they were very good with the sling you know the kind that has the, 
the long, two long strands, and a, you put the rock, and boom. And uh, they, you've probably seen these demonstrations of those things. You could put one through the wall if somebody was skilled at it. David goes down, and he gets five smooth stones out of the creek. How many does he need for Goliath? One. Why do you think he picked up four extra? Yeah. Goliath had four brothers. We learned that in Second Samuel. I think David says, I'm not just getting this guy. I'm getting the whole family, baby. And he, he goes down, and of all the armor, of course, Goliath, he's making fun of David. He goes, what are you sending a dog out? What's he going to do, bark at me? You know, and imagine David half the size of this man. And David just said, uh, you're going to regret this. And he gets that old sling, takes aim, and hits Goliath in the only vulnerable spot. It was unprotected. And just like Viceni in The Princess Bride, <laughs> he fell over. Now, this morning, if you were here, I told you the gruesome story in the Bible. Remember that? The tenth spike in the head, right? This one's pretty good, too. David, when Goliath falls, he goes down to the creek, or wherever he was. He takes Goliath's own sword. That probably weighed 50 pounds. And he takes it, and David <laughs> cuts off Goliath's head. And he reaches down. He picks it up. And he faces the Philistine army. He says, ah, take that. Now, the army, they're looking at this and saying, oh, no. This little kid just beat our best uh, champion here. And then they start running, then the whole army of Israel comes, and there is a tremendous defeat of the Philistines there. Now, what I want you to notice here, we're going to talk about God's grace for David's race. There were these two little kids, a uh, brother and a sister, uh, first grade maybe, a little girl and her little brother talking. And uh, her, her little brother kept saying things like, I can't do that. Or, uh, I don't know how. Do you ever know anybody that says that all the time? I don't know how to do that. <coughs> I can't do that. And the little girl had just been to Sunday school, and they learned that verse, you know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so little Alfred, he kept saying, I can't do that. And his sister just said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now for said, well, then you do it. <laughs> All right. Let's look at the, the grace for the race. Chapter 16, verse 13. I'll just point this out here real quick. The, we go back in time here. Now, I want you to notice. I told you the story. I want to point out a few things. Samuel, this is back when Samuel is picking out David. Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came upon David in what? In power. From the day God called him out. From the day God put his hand on David's life and said, I want you to do this, God's Spirit came upon him in power from that day on. I want you guys to know this. When God calls you out to do whatever, it may be just to share your faith with somebody across the street or someone you know. It may be something like that. It may be 
to go to the mission and field. It may be to get into camp ministry. It may be that God's calling you to be a pastor. I don't know. But I can tell you this. When God calls you, His grace will give you His strength. And you say, uh, can you imagine David, if he'd have known, when Samuel put that oil on his head, if he'd have known that he was going to be facing Goliath, do you really think you'd be all that anxious to be the king? If if you knew that was the first job you're going to have to to figure out how to beat this guy. So I want you to note that from the very beginning, God's power was on him. I want you to notice that God's grace empowered David to overcome ever more powerful opponents. And I'll try to say that in a different way. When you look at David's life, you see that progressively things got harder for him. But every time things got harder, God's power became greater in him. Think about the lion. Lion came down, attacked the sheep. David says, I killed it with my bare hands. And I don't know how you do that. You drip a sleeper hold or something, you put on it. Then a bear comes down. He does the same thing. I got to tell you right off the bat: if I'm David the shepherd boy, I'm getting a new job. <laughs> okay, I'm done. You know, lions and bears. You know, I'll be waiting for the tiger. Yeah, That's, I'd say, uh, okay, pops, uh, I'm out of here. We'll see you later. I'm getting a new job. <laughs> David looked at it like this: God gave me victory over the lion. He gave me a victory over the bear. He will give me victory over who? Goliath. He said, Goliath is no different than any of these other obstacles I've had to overcome. Some of you have gone through some tough times, and you're young. You've had to face some hard issues in life. But God has given you the strength. You're here today. You're still growing strong for the Lord. You're stronger because you've had to overcome some hard obstacles. My guess is, God's not done with the hard obstacles. That the things that you've had to go through are preparing you for something even greater, something more difficult, perhaps. All right, Goliath. David defeats Goliath. You know what happens to Saul after this? He kind of goes crazy. And he actually spends a number of years trying to hunt down David and kill him. There are times when Saul threw his spear at David, and there were times when Saul's son Jonathan and Jonathan and David were best friends, and and Jonathan would betray his own father and feed inside information to David to save his life and say, "Dad's coming after you tonight. You better hightail it out of here." And David would sneak out and hide in the case. This went on for years. Saul kind of lost his mind, but David would not kill Saul. Left that up to the Lord. But I want you to notice here that before David ever became king, he had to deal with some tough issues. A a crazy king of his own, he had to deal with Goliath, and he had to deal with surviving that way. Look at chapter 17, verse 45. I'm going to wrap this up here in a few minutes. 17.45. I want you to notice that this is when David going down to face the giant, David said to the Philistine, you come against me with a sword and a spear and a javelin. I was, I was reading that the other day because uh, 
this morning, maybe it was, as I was preparing. Uh, Goliath had his own shield bearer. And he's got a whole other guy, probably another big beefy guy, just to carry his shield for him. So I'm thinking, Goliath is here. Now, I'm thinking the, uh, what does he say here? The sword and the spear. Oh, that's not enough for this guy. Oh, no. he got to have the javelin, too. You know, he's got stuff everywhere. This is like a Rambo. And just, he's got every kind of gun. He's ready to pull out and grenades, throw it. And he's got it all. And David said, you come to me with all these weapons. I come, to you, I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. David says, you know, you got all this stuff. You know what I got? I got God standing behind me. And I will make mincemeat out of you. David knew where his power came from. It's nice when you read this, David doesn't, you know, uh, he could have got down and he goes, well, you think you're so tough. Well, I want you to know I am the champion slingshotter from my hometown for the last three years. I, you know, he doesn't give him anything like that. He simply says, God is my strength. God is what will get me through. I want you to know, if you try to go through your life on your own strength, you're going to have a long haul. But I want you to understand, with God there, He will give you strength. That strength will build as you overcome your own obstacles in life. As God gives you the strength, the confidence to know that He got you through this thing, so when something worse happens, you know that it'll get you through that. And you guys are young. You know, I uh, preached my own father's funeral. I preached, uh, spoke at my mother's funeral. I've done some hard things. But through the years, all those things have made me a stronger person because I know where that strength comes from. God will help you. All right, here's your last little story. Story of a woodpecker. Corey Tenboom, who wrote the book The Hiding Place. If you've never read it, you should, you should uh, try to read it. Uh, she uh, told a story of a woodpecker who was up in a tree, and do, 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 and I heard one. It reminded me of this. I was sitting on that little swing uh, this afternoon, and I heard one way up in the tree. Bing, 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 bing. She said a little woodpecker was pecking on the tree, and just about the time he was pecking, a bolt of lightning came on the other side and hit the tree and just blew it to pieces. And this, you know, the little bird, you know, he's uh, flying back and the little woodpecker uh, said to himself, uh, man, I didn't know I had it in me. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes we want to take yeah, delayed reactions. Sometimes we want to take credit for what God does. We don't see that with David. We see David saying, I know where my strength is. My strength is with the Lord. I want you to understand that God's grace, His favor, all the good stuff, in spite of the fact that you don't deserve it, I can point to every one of you here, and I can tell you, you do not deserve God's grace. Not even Uncle Paul deserves it. But every now and then, I want you to know, God gives Uncle Paul his grace. Every now and then he gives you his grace. And God's grace will come when you need it. 
it will be sufficient when it gets there to get the job done, and it will help build you into a person of strength and confidence, not in yourself, but in Almighty God. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Father, I thank you for the story of David. And even though it's a familiar one, it's always good to review it. I ask, Lord, that you would be with all of us here tonight. I know that I have problems in life, and uh, certainly I anticipate there will be a lot more uh, before my life is over. And, uh, Lord, there's some good things in there, too. But uh, I pray for the young people here who may be going through some tough times. Maybe it's at home with family. Maybe the best friend's mad at them. Uh, maybe they're not sure what to do with their life, and it's been weighing on their minds. Uh, whatever it is, Father, uh, regarding their race and what you're calling them to do and, and to understand that, I, I ask, Lord, that you would give them wisdom, help them to trust in you. I want to ask a question, heads bowed and eyes closed. And if there's somebody here that just says, Pastor David, uh, there are some issues that I have to deal with. There are some things that I need God's grace for. And I, I, I want you to pray for me. You might not even know my name. But uh, would you say a little prayer for me that God will help me through this week to, to understand his grace better? Just slip up your hand so I can see it. Okay. See, good 15 or 20. All right, thank you. You can put them down. Father, I ask your blessing upon those individuals here tonight uh, having some issues in life. And I pray, Father, that you give them wisdom, give them faith, give them hope to believe that your grace when they need it the most, it will be there just in the nick of time. It will be sufficient to get them through and it will instill them with power to overcome. Bless each one here tonight, Father. Keep us close to you, for we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.